This is the AI-assisted organization podcast hosted by myself, Piers Linney, and my co-host and co-founder of Implement AI, Dr. Alok Shukla. Hi, Alok. Hey, Piers. You're, you're camping out uh, homegrown. Uh, I am. We're members of in central London. I am indeed. Great place. What's weird is that well, when you're in London, it's actually, it's actually still easy to do the podcast separately. Because <laughs> we're, not, we're not set up to do it physically, are we? Um, right, let's get on with it, though, because uh, there's, there's a huge amount of time. We'll have to kind of ch- we'll change it slightly today. We'll explain why. Um, so we've been to a few events, um, which are quite important ones, including Microsoft as well. We're doing quite a few events ourselves. We're going to go through the news. We're going to cut the news down slightly. There's so much of it. We're going to pick out the choice interesting parts. We're going to talk a bit about Microsoft Ignite, which is a fantastic event we went yesterday, and also an NVIDIA event we attended as well. And then we're going to talk about, really, we've been going back to basics. So we're going to go back to basics really on how do you champion AI and start the process of your organization thinking about it and beginning to implement it. So I don't want to get, get, go too far ahead of my skis. So the first things are, we were, this week, uh, attended a, a joint event. It was NVIDIA. So we met a NVIDIA team there. Uh, Mish Gondorea, which is a law firm in central London. And this event was perfect for me. So it's kind of like technology, regulation, cool. compliance, law, policy. So I couldn't help myself but asking a few uh, few tricky questions of, of the panel. But essentially, this was really about, you know, where is AI regulation going? What should you be thinking about in terms of compliance, especially regulatory compliance in different sectors? How does it impact policy? And what's the direction of travel? So it was really quite interesting. It was good to see the NVIDIA team. They sort of stepped up there and gave an introduction into the NVIDIA sort of um, program really for for startups, inception program, and talked about some of the things they're doing and what they're, and their partnership with Mishcon, which is- Exactly, hello hello to Andrew and hello to Rafa as well. Yeah, Andrew and Rafa, they looked after us, invited us. We we always apply to late actually, so we have to rely on our relationships <laughs> to get us into these things. And the other big one we attended, which we're gonna go, go into a bit more detail a bit, a bit further on in, in the pod, was Microsoft Ignite. So. I spent like, you know, 15 years of my life going to the Microsoft Worldwide Partner Conferences all over the world, uh, where these are sort of slightly more product-based, slightly more technical, smaller regional events, Microsoft Ignite, but it's just fascinating to see. It was actually called the Microsoft, it was called the Microsoft Cloud in the era of AI, because clearly all these workloads have to, well, not have to, most of the large models are, are sort of, they're in the cloud using the large infrastructure and GPUs. Although we might touch on a few models today, you can actually run locally with sort of smaller models as well. We're also doing our own events. So we've also mentioned we want to get as many people down there physically as we possibly can. We think that, you know, meeting us physically, hearing us, asking questions. And other businesses. You know, and other businesses are exactly that, engaging, having that kind of a that kind of conversation about artificial intelligence and how you implement it. it makes a massive difference if you come and meet us. So if you're anywhere near London, on this 13th of March, you see Elite Business Live event, and then we're doing a, an interactive breakout session on building an, a, an AI-assisted business. That's put on by uh, Scott English and the team there. And also, if you do join us, you sign up online, you can get a free ticket for the event for the whole day, actually, worth about £198 um, from us. So if you can, get down to Elite Business. It's probably one of the best, if not the best, yeah. show for small and medium-sized enterprises, and also get into our breakout session, come and meet us and come and hear what we've got to there, say. There are, in, there are insights that like, it's impossible to share quickly on a podcast. And also you only got from in-depth questions and conversations and the space is quite fast moving. And so if you want to like really get some of the insights, we'll touch on some of the stuff, but you want to really kind of get ahead and move ahead, come down. Everybody always says physically meeting, physically talking really unlocks and catalyzes new opportunities. 
So that's EliteBusinessEvent.co.uk. That's the URL. We'll go find that more information. I'm doing a, a keynote on the main stage at the Tech Show London. That's on the 6th. That's next week. So I've literally just sent my slides off. Uh, I don't usually do slides, but I've, I've got some slides for this one. A lot made me. <laughs> yeah, develop some slides. So I'm doing a keynote there, which should be really interesting. It's about um, the, the you know augmenting your workforce, your colleagues with artificial intelligence. And it, it follows our white paper on the augmented workforce of humans working with AI agents, which is kind of what we what we do. Then the following day, I'm back at Excel and I'm doing a main stage keynote fireside chat on what our podcast is about, building an AI-assisted organization. That's going to be a fireside chat. So those two days are going to be really quite interesting. As for the news, we've actually just revamped our website. You know, we, we found the time to do it finally. Um, and we've also launched a, a resource center as well. So everything you kind of do is cram packed with white papers, isn't it? Videos, um, all the things we train all the white papers, lots of context, lots of things that you can't get anywhere else. And, and it's just free basically, right? Like, so the whole point is, and we'll touch on some of the things later on, but like, if you want to align your organization, you want to get people involved, you need to have like a toolkit. And this is what we're kind of like helping you do basically. So you can also unlock opportunities in your organization, your own business. Let's do a bit of AI for business news. As we always say, we do AI for business. You know, we're not talking about consumer AI and all those fun things you can do on TikTok. We're actually about how do you use this technology for your business to advance it, to improve it, to grow it, to optimize it, to increase profits and, and its value and your wealth at the end of the day. And then we're going to touch on Microsoft Ignite. And then we're going to go back to basics like we did over the last few weeks. And we're going to talk about how do you start the process and champion AI implementation in your organization. We get off this a lot by people, not just people in an organization who really see the opportunity and want the organization to sort of grasp it and embrace it. But sometimes the CEO is asking us, okay, I'm in. How do I get everybody else to buy into it? Because they're all busy. So we're going to come on to that. I'll even Hang on. No, no. <laughs> Go on, wait. Uh, see, that's the, that's the business news. So Gemini image generation. So uh, it's interesting. I was reading it. So the article, the blog that came from this is actually the title is Gemini image generation got it wrong. We'll do better. And that was a title of a, a Google blog. So the point here is it's not to scoff at it all because you know it's fantastic that this technology is evolving at this pace but the point is is that in this kind of mad competitive rush to ship product what's fascinating is that some of these trillion dollar tech titans are you know you've heard the old adage about you know move fast and break the great thing or fail fast well they're doing all of that all at once so it's interesting isn't it how that in this mad rush to get these things out and they have, they have started, that's it. but they have they have red teams don't they yeah, absolutely right. They have red teams, but they're not picking this stuff up. And the issue was was that in the in this sort of this is like a mid journey, their version of Dali three basically is built into Gemini, which was formerly called um, Bard. And they were saying that their tuning is showing a range. So basically, if you ask for, I want a, I don't know, a a Afro, a mixed race, or Afro Caribbean person uh, skiing or riding a bike, whatever it might be, um, that's what you get. And if you ask for, say, I don't know, a a German soldier is a good example. In 1944, you know, there's a particular archetype and a type of person you expect to see, but that's not what you are getting. So the two sides of the coin is not asking, not getting what you ask for. And also when you ask for something which has a particular, maybe a sort of a historic um, representation you'd expect, you're not getting that either. So they've kind of just turned it off, didn't they? Makes sense, I guess, isn't it, right? Like, I mean, this is the challenge when you're, when like society or 
let's call it people in the product team are trying to put a particular lens over the technology. They're trying to actually make it communicate or display information or people or ideas in a particular way. And that, that's what like you can call to a greater or lesser degree woke AI basically, right? You know, like, uh, and some of these different things that kind of happen within there. But the bottom line is like, um, as soon as they kind of like start removing these things because the world is diverse and the world has got so many different things going on, I think it's that balancing those two things of like making sure it's, you know, representational, but at the same time also that it's like real, right? Because things did happen. People are a certain way. You can't change those things, isn't it, right? And why would you want to? Yeah. So they kind of turned it off. What they found was it was kind of overcompensating. So rather yeah. than trying to get the images that were wrong, it wasn't doing anything. So that's just an interesting sort of insight to the pace of change. And sometimes uh, the wheels do fall off. So you need to be aware of that when you're using this technology in your business as well. Other thing that came out of Google was um, Google Gemma. So last week, week before, we had Google Gemini. I think to get to it's like the Kardashians. They're all with a K, isn't it? Or all with a G, isn't it? Like, uh... yeah, I've never watched the Kardashian. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so Google Gemini, they got Google Gemma. So Gemma are sort of smaller models. So the big models, they want to keep the proprietary. These are actually um, open source. They're calling them state-of-art, state-of-the-art open source models. They're based on the Gemini 1.5 sort of or Gemini architecture. Um, so they should be, they're kind of lightweight, uh, quite small, up 2 billion, 7 billion parameters. So it's quite interesting that they're sort of releasing these out into the wild as open source. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it, about that kind of conflict between proprietary and open source. Uh, you have to hedge their bets. Yeah, I'm not sure where. Because the thing is, right, like as more and more makers are building things, they also want the ability to like adapt things, build things small for local devices, but they also want the power of like the state-of-the-art capability. Like I can't wait for the 1.5 million token Gemini to become, you know, wide released. But the, the truth of the matter is the world is, you know, like is complex, it's diverse, and you need to, you can't just be in one camp. And they can see with Meta that they've got like the whole open source narrative and everything kind of working that way. Google just can't be caught out really, isn't it? Right? They've got to be on both sides because they don't know how it'll play out. Think about their strategy with mobile phones. Android was basically like that, isn't it, right? You know, so then that was customized and tweaked by all the manufacturers. So I think it's just being smart, really, and being in both camps and having the opportunity. Yeah, so we'll see how that how that plays out. Another interesting one we sort of picked out was um, Microsoft announced they've done a, a multi-year deal with um, Mistral AI. So if you don't know really Mistral again, they're kind of um, open portable AI. So, you know, seven, seven billion parameter models. It's very powerful, very good. And the point here really is, is, they're doing these deals, a bit like OpenAI did. People have done deals with um, AWS, Amazon. People have done deals with Google to get access to infrastructure. Because if you can't access infrastructure, scalable, hyperscale infrastructure with the right, you know, GPUs in there, and you happen to get in the queue at the right time with an order into NVIDIA to get the GPU you need to make the stuff work, then you're going to struggle. So if you've got infrastructure, you've got the potential to do these deals where you're probably partly parting with some money in some cases. But quite often, I think it's just, just credit. Entre. Yeah. But, but the credits are worth literally millions and millions. So the point here, Alok, is are the owners of the infrastructure, are they going to be the winners take all, the winners that take it all? And what's the impact on competition? Because people are sort of crying out about this, talking about you know, the competition authority equivalent in the in the US. Yeah, but I mean, like, let's be real. Like To play in this game, you have to have significant infrastructure, significant compute. And also you have to have the technology and the models and all that kind of stuff. And those that actually had that infrastructure to begin with, like, you know, the Amazons, the, the, the Googles, the, the Microsofts of this world and stuff like this, 
of course they're going to be the, the you know the power horse they're basically like the the pylons electricity grid isn't it right you know they're just trying to run on top of but i mean the bottom line is this combination of open source ai and also like you know different models from different places i think competition at the infrastructure level you have to just pay to play basically so at the end of the day, I guess you can look at it. They're just paying for it. It's just a contra deal. So that's something to watch. Something that we are working on a case study. So we've got lots of clients now. We've got case studies. And we're going to be sort of writing those up and sharing them. But you're getting some real world case studies now. Now, these tend to be sort of larger enterprises. We've seen things at Microsoft Ignite, which was um, ASOS. Uh, we saw things by a, a large pharma company. But there's some news we picked up was Klarna. So if you don't know Klarna, it's ability to sort of verbs like that. A lending mechanism over time. Might, later. Yeah, you might buy something, you can make it in three payments, for example. But the the CEO, they were kind of boasting essentially, or they've sort of made up issued a press release saying that they've designed an AI essentially in customer support that's allowed them to do the work of seven hundred people. And it's interesting because last year they laid off seven hundred people. Now they're saying there's no connection between the two. But the point here is is it's not really talking about that. It's the point that you are now starting to see real-world use cases where this technology is completely changing the need to have as many humans as you used to have working in particular functions. Remember when we met a long time ago and I was telling you about Blue Ocean Strategy and the whole point of differentiation was that you create a new value proposition which is faster, better, and cheaper, like rather than just the, one of those two dimensions. So in this, in this case study, like literally Klarna was saying that like it did the work of 700 agents it saved $40 million to the bottom line. Um, it reduced the, the time to resolve the complaint from basically like, you know, like 11 minutes to two minutes. It then also, you know, had a, had a had the quality equivalent in comparison with human basically, right? So this is like where people are going to start to struggle and get their head around because it's not that it's going to be worse. It can be as good as, if not more consistent, and it's there to supplement. So you don't have to let people go, but they could have expanded and taken on more business without having to increase their you know team support size. So this is just one example, and there's many others coming, basically. And I actually wrote a blog about this. You've got to look on our, uh, our LinkedIn or link, my website. It's actually called Better, Cheaper, Faster. It gives even simpler. And once you once those things, you can tick those boxes. It's very difficult for um, humans to complete, compete. So that was a really interesting sort of insight. Into, and I'm, you're going to see more and more of these. Um, we're going to share some with you, with our clients, to the extent we can, because it is competitive advantage. We've seen big companies, ASOS was another one that we saw yesterday yeah. was my touch upon, which was, again, the ability to, it was kind of enhanced search in a way, but you could right. say, for example, I, I, want a, I want a white suit for a summer wedding and my partner's wearing this, here's a picture. And they will do it. Exactly. But so let's come back to that. Let's come back okay. to that when we do the Ignite piece. And the last thing the news we're going to do today really was um, Eleven Labs. Eleven Labs, again, we use it quite a lot in terms of voices. They part them with Plexity. Plexity is a fantastic AI, kind of reinventing search. They haven't used it. Go and have a go at Plexity AI. And they've launched something called Discover Daily. What it's essentially doing is taking the power of Perplexity to do research and Plexity also not only does it do research, it actually tells you where it got the information from. But essentially, it does the research, it creates a script. Then they're applying Eleven Labs voices to create essentially a podcast. Now, yeah. that's interesting. But the interesting use case is when we talk about hyper-personalization and you've got a podcast for your customers or you've got slightly different podcasts for certain segments of your customers, now, every single one of your customers, you can generate all your content for them that's specifically designed for them. That's very nice. That's, that's, a, that's a great opportunity because like having the ability to like customize and curate um, the feed exactly for it 
just as a very funny example, I was watching this comedy video and there was like, there was like, there was this therapist and he was like, she was looking after like the couple and then the, the you know, the, one partner was saying how they felt about everything and the, the, the husband didn't understand anything. And then the, the therapist was explaining, imagine you're playing golf and you hit this and this happens. And then, you know, people clap and they say, wow, that's how she wants to feel. He's like, oh, I didn't understand. So basically translating it to like their, their narrative and the viewpoint is, is crazy about golf. So in the same way, if you've got clients that are like in specific sectors, specific industries, specific things or specific interests, you could have everything tuned to that perspective and that point of view, which will enable you to have a much better connection with those very places. And the point here is, is that all these things we talk about every week on this podcast, they compound. So last week you mentioned there's new capability. I think it was in Amazon where it creates a new model that actually improves speech. You can use, you can use, uh, like I say, shh and gosh, you can ask rhetorical questions. They're now adding in, you know, breathing pauses. So you begin to get to the point where you absolutely cannot distinguish between what you're hearing that's being, you know, enunciated by a human or by an AI. Once you overlay that onto a believable script to the podcast, you can now create individual podcasts at scale. So there's a lot more news. Um, we're still not seeing any slowdown, but there are some key ones we thought were interesting over the last week. The music, the music video one. Uh, yeah, go on then. Add that one. Yeah. So, so like, I mean, we, we saw Sora, and we were all blown away by the capabilities of Sora going from like you know like text to video. But like, um, you know, Alibaba released basically a single frame image. And then he can turn it to a music video, basically. So that person singing, doing all the enunciations and moving around everything like that, just from a single, single image. It's, it's, I saw this guy, this Korean K-pop artist doing, um, Eminem's, um, I forget the one it's called, but like, uh, you know, he's just completely going completely crazy on that, on that one, like, you know, rapping so fast, but like all of that stuff is just insane from one, from one slide. So like, again, all roads lead to infrastructure. Basically all roads leading to NVIDIA, all roads leading to, you know, Microsoft Cloud. Yeah. And last week we were talking about, oh, it's amazing that. You can create an avatar by providing just two minutes of content. Now, you just provide a photo. Correct. Uh, it's crazy. So let's touch on um, Microsoft Ignite. So we were there yesterday, full day, central London, uh, Microsoft partners. It was all about the power of cloud and AI and how Microsoft had completely embraced it um, and what they're doing for their partners to, to be able to deliver solutions that use this technology to add value for their customers. So like you did a, a, you posted a great post on um, uh, LinkedIn, which had three points with it. Time efficiency, reinventing work. Time energy, reinventing work. And exactly. All right. Let's, let's go through those quickly. So the, one of the key points was that they said that time and energy were facing a crisis of time and energy. What's this? Basically, like they showed the surveys that most employees feel they don't have the time or the energy to do most work. And we can also see that in many societies around the world, there's all this right to switch off. There's also like this all like too many meetings, Zoom fatigue, whatever you want to call it, right? There is a crisis of time and energy and attention because if we're in this always on society, we don't know when to switch off and when to have our attention. So what they said was that like by using the right tools, you can actually reclaim time and reclaim energy. And the thing is like if you have high energy, you know, high time people in your organization, you can do a lot more than, than other organizations. So they were talking about like how with time and energy, you can like, for example, time. The amount of time spent wasting looking for documents, the wasting looking for information, everything like that. If you've got like, you know, vector index search, you've got like different tools, you've got, you know, Copilot, other things like this, where it can actually get people the information right away and the most up-to-date piece of the information, that saves so much time. In terms of energy, if you don't need to attend a meeting apart from like two points, you can actually capture up on that meeting summary in high context using a, using a summarization tool or the Copilot tool. And it's just about augmenting people. So for example, there was another example 
where there was a whole planning situation. So for care home, people that need to do care visits across, I think it was like 15 to 20 different locations. And they have to start from a particular head office. They have to travel out and they have to have a certain amount of gap in between every place and plan the route to it. In a normal situation, you might have like, say, the senior person or who's planning the route. And then, and then the junior people have to go out. They might think the senior person has it in for them because they're making them go to this place first or doing that thing and all that kind of stuff. Here, the AI planned everything and also allowed 15-minute break in between different places to go for things. So you can actually like avoid kind of personality conflicts because it was just, you know, ruthlessly designed by AI to be the, the shortest, quickest journey. And at the same time, that was literally generated in seconds, whereas that would actually take a long time to do. Imagine for like 20 teams, you have to do 20 teams of planning and everything like that. And you've got new people who've never been on those routes before. You know, so imagine having to explain to those people and everything like that, but the, the tool can do everything like that. Well, I mean, the point was, well, they had some stats, didn't they? Like it was 64% of the workforce that is in research thinks that they don't have enough time in the day to get the work done that they're supposed to. Now, you might think that's great because AI can help them because they obviously take, take some of those tasks out uh, they, so they have to do them themselves. But the point here is actually, this is about, it's more than that. It's about, you know, mental health. It's about enjoying what you do and not yeah. the name every day, feeling stressed that you've got in a, an inbox you haven't dealt with. So there, there, there's a, a real potential, huge change here in terms of how you work, about being efficient, being productive and being happier. And being a talent magnet. Yeah. You know, if, you, if, you're, if you're working in a place which is fully manual, you know, like basically it's, it's like it's like it's normal bike versus electric bike, but you have to go uphill every single day. Do you know what I mean? Like a, you have to pedal every day uphill or you can use the electric bike to go uphill, you know, and you've got to do tasks when you get to the top of the hill. So the thing is like people who are working in organizations which are not using these tools or have no plans to use these tools, you are de-skilling. You are de-skilling your workforce and you are increasing the gap between where they need to be and where you are now. I mean, just as an example, I was literally, I was taking a call with you actually, and I was in a coffee place just in central London and um, someone came to me afterwards as a student. And then she said to me, she said, um, sorry, I couldn't help over here, but you were working in AI and how can I get into it? And she had some questions basically. And I basically said to her, you know, Number one, start to experiment with a tool. Start to discover what's possible. Number two, you know, two, start creating your own kind of like tools and case studies. But what I'm trying to say is that talent is looking for you. You know, they want to work with this. They're keen. So the organizations that they say that not only will we multiply your time and energy, we'll also upskill you. It's a, you know, it's going to become like a winner take all in some industries, honestly. Like if you don't, if you're not changing and evolving, why would talent stay with you? I mean, Microsoft's example was obviously because it was co-pilots. So... Uh, specifically, they were giving demonstrations. We saw quite a few demonstrations of Microsoft 365 Copilot. If you don't know how to use it, we have a training course on that as well. But just showing you how you can summarize your inbox, you know, access. You know, you can't go in there and say, right, here's several photographs. Here's an outline of a presentation I want. Can you make that while I go make a coffee? It's not quite there yet, but that is coming. Well, but what it we can do though is create an outline, create the images using using OpenAI and Dali, and then give you the components you need very quickly to put together the presentation. But yeah, but then this is also talk, touching on what we've always talked about in our podcast, generalist versus specialist, spell check versus like your own differentiated advantage. There were some things that we, we were discussing yesterday and we're also discussing with some of our clients, creating customized versions of this for them, bespoke for them, which can then unlock new opportunities, new advantages from even data sets outside the Microsoft ecosystem. So there's a whole opportunity zone that you can actually unlock. And the second thing was we counter some a little bit was about reinventing work generally. Yes. So, th so this is key because like you're, you're not taking, so let me give an analogy. Imagine, for example, one type of work was like pottery and you actually get some clay out the ground and you put it in a potter's wheel and you shape it and all that kind of stuff like that versus 3D printing the actual exact pot that you wanted, right? 
That's a reinvention of a process. That's not augmenting the hands. That's not anything that that's a reinvention of a process. Now, what I'm saying here is that you, you've got so many ways. And we discussed this, actually. We talked about on-land AI or underwater AI almost as well, isn't it, right? So you've got like different ways you can think about how different work can be done. You can have like AIs that work in the data, so almost like underwater, and then they're looking for things, monitoring things, search things, getting different information ready and bring it to you rather than you having to ask for those pieces of information. Or you've got AI, which is actually like handling, for example, huge amounts of volumes of phone calls or unlocking insights and opportunities or even helping people scale and do things differently. Because the key thing here is if you reinvent it, you almost like blow up some of those bridges which are bottlenecked. You create whole new like, you know, super lane highways that more people can pass through and more work can pass through. You're again going to be at an advantage. So that's the key thing here. You want to think reinvention. That's the opportunity, not just, you know, just augmenting things. You can unlock a lot more demand. Other things that we've been seeing this, like that ASOS example, so if you've got like a co-pilot, for example, like helping someone choose shopping. So let's, let's look at the example. Imagine you go to a website and you're saying, okay, I want an outfit. And you're thinking in your head, okay, I need to like get a shirt, get a jacket, I need this, I need that. Versus you say, okay, I need to go to a black tie dinner. I've got an event ceremony and I, I need to get an outfit which will, which will be working for that. And it could then show you only those things. And also let's say it knows your, your size and everything like that. It can show you all those elements and what's in stock and offers you it for the next day. You're going to spend more because it's all basket value size. And, and and you can show it photographs. So it's actually using GPT, because 3.5. They're going to be using GPT 4V. So you can actually show photographs. So look, my partner's wearing this. Correct. I imagine. Show me what, what matches, uh, what I can wear that matches. That is such uh, a better experience than, than like just trying to pick things out and getting the wrong stuff. I mean, it, it sounds like search, which it kind of is, because it, what, it is, what it is kind of doing is creating a search. Curation. But what, the way you... The way you provide the inputs is, is very, very different, and it can be completely unstructured as well. So that, I, I say that slightly more on the asymmetric advantage side of it, which is the last thing we're talking about. And we always talk about this in, the, in our presentations. We always have this sort of dark room. And if you've got AI, you've got, you know, sort of heat sensing cameras or you've got direct red. You can see from night that other people can't. You've got your predator night vision. You can see exactly where everybody is and like how, how much they're breathing in different areas and their body temperatures. But no, exactly that. And the key thing here is that there is so many oppor asymmetric opportunities possible because of like the, the the power of the technology and what it can actually do, and then the ability to like reinvent your cost structure, your capacity, your interactivity with your customer, your value proposition, and the, and the companies that are doing that are starting to pull away from other ones that are not. And and I mean, like for example, with Clara, if you've got like if you can save forty million dollars and you can reallocate that in, in a meaningful way towards different areas, you're going to be at a compounding advantage. And we've seen so many examples from completely diverse industries, from you know, different types of manufacturing, terms of healthcare, sort of financial services, there's all these opportunities. And what's, what's fascinating about AI, I've, I've seen, you know, internet, I've seen the social media, cloud, it's that the big companies are embracing it because they realize they've got infrastructure, processes, workflows, systems, they've got a huge amount of costs yet into that business. This allows them to unlock it and, and reduce it. And that, and that, if you think of the scale of these businesses, that unlocks a huge amount of value. And so that's why you're seeing, frustratedly, large companies really embrace this. So what we're trying to do is help smaller and yeah. make enterprises. The advantage as well, exactly. exactly. I mean, it's just linking a little bit to your article, you also did about career planning in the future of AI, isn't it? Like, if you, if you look at the capabilities of these systems and you think, okay, law, accounting, interior design, you know, even film set design or things like this, like all those capabilities are surpassed by AI already. So you well, you, may, you mentioned one there. If you do route planning or you use route planning software these ais can do it now so if, you, if, you, if you've got a 
job at one level and a business at another level that intersect the capabilities technology within the next two, three, four, five, even 10 years, you've got to think about changing now. Yes. It's, it's, I can't, I can't under, you know, overstate it enough. You have to plan for things because as soon as your competitors come in and they've got mature things which are working, you're going to see your sales or your your, your volume or whatever like that start to dry up. And how I mentioned that, I wrote a article, got some good feedback actually about how do you look at your career path, maybe your children's as well actually, how do you look yeah. at it in the age of AI and how do you plan ahead? And I think what you have to do is start thinking about an age where you are going to actually retrain several times. Amazingly, Alok, I was in the gym this morning and uh, I bumped into a quite one of photographer I haven't seen for many years. And I said, well, how's AI impacting you? He said, well, I didn't see it directly, but I'm not sure. So I said, watch this. So I took a photograph of us in the mirror, me doing a selfie. I had like a, a, a sort of a camo gym gear on. He goes, well, that's amazing. I said, describe it. So he described the picture. He goes, that's amazing. I said, well, what's this? So I took the description, turned it into a prompt and tried to reverse engineer the photograph. And it, it came out with something which was not too dissimilar from the photograph that I'd taken. It is insane. And then he was like, he, he said to me, well, it's a good job I've taken up acting. <laughs> that's why he, he, he trained it. This student was asking me, how do you get into AI? And I basically said three things. I said, number one, start experimenting, start doing. Because the thing is like, no one's interested in what you think you know. It's what you've actually done and discovered for yourself. And you have to expect, you know, literally discover the limits, the capability to do some projects. Two, I said, you know, like do some different projects for different companies, different things, even like your simple things like quality test or look at different things. But I said, for every 10 people that say they're interested in something, you know, like for every 100 people that say they're interested in something, only 10 might actually do something. For every 100 that actually did something, you know, only like 10 will actually like go forward and be curious. So the key thing is like, you can literally create your own opportunity here, literally. Like, Let's go on to that. We're going to touch upon how do you how do you start that process organization? We're going to write a white paper on this, so we're going to go into huge detail today. But yeah. before we get into that, if you if you're new to implement AI, we've written several white papers. One on the AI assisted organization. That's kind of our foundational framework. One on augmentation, you know, humans and AI agents. We've got several uh, sort of videos we've done, workshops we've done. You can go and look at. We have a training academy. Everything from AI fundamentals to prompt engineering. And we're going to talk about, you know, how do you start a process in your business? And what we find quite often in companies, you know, with you know maybe 10 employees more is that our AI boardroom briefing is yep. something which allows you to kind of level up your senior leadership team, your colleagues, so that when you start talking about AI, people don't fear, you haven't got that FUD, you know, fear, uncertainty and doubt, people pushing back to understand it. And what you tend to see when you do, when we do these presentations to our clients is all the kind of lights go on and then it's fascinating just to watch actually. So we do those. And then our, our, we do a thing called AI Activate, which is that it's about a six, well, 60 day sprint to start looking at policy governance and it's transformational. We actually do proof of concept, MVPs, real tangible things in your business. You can see and measure the change. We're now seeing a lot of our clients are moving into pilots. That's what we do. Go and have a look. We've got a new resource center. If you look on YouTube, you'll be able to see the QR code there. If not, go to the website and click on the resources link. So moving on, what we were talking about is about building an AI-assisted organization and how do you get into AI as an individual or as a business? Or maybe you're an individual in a business that wants to be the champion of artificial intelligence and move your career in that direction because no one else seems to be doing it. And the first thing is that we often see is that nobody owns AI in a business, right? It's not the CTO's job. They've got something else to do, some other projects to sort out. The CIO is not really their job because they might not have the right skill set. You need quite a broad set of skill sets. We are, we also provide a, what we call fractional chief AI officers. And that's basically kind of us, essentially, providing all of our know-how, both in terms of 
the technology, business strategy, implementation. Industry, and we can actually go across like, industries, you know, horizontally. We can go very deep all the way down into your data, which in large companies where this journey tends to start. Essentially, what you have to do is we had a conversation with a chap the other day who was quite a large company in the property sector about, you know, how do you get people to buy in? What you have to do at the end of the day is get your senior leadership team, maybe not the board, but a senior management team to understand this and buy in and understand the basics. This is alignment. So basically the whole point here is that like, just like you said, Piers, AI is not any one department. AI is basically the whole organization. And the thing is like, you know, very few things do you have to actually bring the whole organization to be aligned in where they want to kind of go. So, I mean, let's, let's go through this basically, right? So the whole point here is like, generally it would start with one to two people within an organization that, that have, that, that see the opportunity, they understand the use case in the business and they want things to progress further. But the problem is they don't necessarily have the budget, decision-making power or anything else like this. So the question- Well, is, sometimes it is the CEO, but they, have, not, they can't get the stakeholders to sort of follow. Yes. The crew, the ones who actually have to execute it. So there has to be an alignment process. It's one of the most important processes. And I actually underestimated how important this was because I'm so focused on the technology and the capabilities and the opportunities. To me, it seems obvious sometimes, basically, right? But the key thing that you got to actually do, first of all, is align everyone's vision on what it is, what's possible for them, and also what this can mean in terms of a reinvented role for them and their organization. Because people have to understand that, like, if you offer something new, if there's a new direction, the questions they have in their mind are, what does this mean for me, step one, step two, step three? What does it mean for the organization, step one, step two, step three? And also together, if we do this together, are we all going to win, basically? Because without this, without this alignment and this clarity of objectives and, and, a, and a new vision of a future state, or even a basic clarification of like checkpoint one or checkpoint two, you cannot get everybody involved and you can't have a conversation because then when somebody tries to have an idea, other people shoot it down because they are scared that the change will disrupt what they want right. their plans. Yeah, it's that. It's also timing. People think, well, am I going to start talking about AI now, really? Because this might not be mean anything for five years or 10 years, like cloud, whereas that's not the case. You can make a massive difference to that. So if in, in, in innovation curves, which you, you know, you've probably heard of them, where new, new technology kicks in, there's a big battle between the old and the new. You've got this, this, this sort of period of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. You get that inside organizations. So the idea behind this alignment, this leveling up is to kind of take that off the table as much as possible. So that's the first thing. Let's move on. So we've got quite a list here. I've got about 10. And then the idea then is, okay, people are buying in. It's interesting. I see what this can do for the business or me. How do we move it forward? So it's kind of like working groups. This can be small. It can be large. It can be multiple. But then you need to get a team. That's like we're saying. It's cross-functional because not one yeah. person has all the skill set to actually enable it. So, so, so after the alignment, really, the key next zone, of, along with what you said, like having the team and having the right people in the room for the conversation, is understanding the business impact and opportunities. So that's where you've got to then have this. You have to be able to see two things. You have to be able to see in, in multiple dimensions. One, you have to know where are the opportunities in your sector. Sorry, where where are the technologies which overlap with some of the core functions, some of the most important business elements of your of your business. And where is the technology ripe right now? Where it'll be ripe in six months, 12 months? And what big differences could that make? So as an example, if you employed, I don't know, 30 people to make phone calls in a certain way, just taking in calls, answering different things, and really just capturing information, you would have to understand that that cost structure could potentially be transformed by using AI, taking all those inbound calls. Now, all those people could then be reallocated to some other thing, maybe expanding business, getting new people, whatever like this. But go back to, we'll go back to working groups, though. The point here is, though, you... You can't just go into that department and start talking about AI. You need to understand its impact on the rest of the organization yes. to get the buy-in. 
And you have to then create a strategy and plan because normally like business planning is like, you know, a year in advance, two years in advance, three years in advance. But the thing is like that this meteor of AI technology and impact is just racing towards you. And you don't have the time to like think two years from now, three years from now. You have to know where the technology is and align that on top of your current business plan and then see, okay, which parts of your business plan are now obsolete, which parts of your business plan can be transformed into opportunities, which parts of your business plan may need to be rethought. Because that's the key thing. And that's what this boardroom briefing and this this opportunity of alignment is. It's almost like recalibrate based on where we are right now, where the technology is right now, and where your business and your sector is right now. And, and, then, and, then, and then let's move on, though. We've got a long list. At the same time, you have to start thinking about, a bit like we did in the, the, the event the other day with NVIDIA and Michigan Devea, start thinking about the four corners of the box. Everyone's terrified of where's the data, especially you're regulated. So policy, governance, what's our framework? How do What do we put in place? How do we make sure people understand this? So you, you've got to have that happening at the same time. And that's something that the, your, your working groups clearly can actually start to um, embed. And then that's through the that, through that, let's, let's, let's keep going there. Through that, you then want to see actual implementation and use cases. And I was just saying there that you've, you've got a plan, you've got departments, you've got potential use cases, but then you have to start showing measurable ROI metrics about yes. how does this actually change things. Agreed. So just touching on the data the security thing, it's actually not that complex. If you use enterprise quality stuff and like things that we saw yesterday at Microsoft Night, you could have all that solved in your own talented, you know, ecosystem. So you don't have to worry about some of those those, those fears and things like this. And also like upskilling and, and, and leveling your team up from a defensive point of view to even understand how AI could be causing, you know, potential internal issues or, you know, like what risks there are to your business. You need to know about those things and empower your team on those things as well, basically. So even if you don't want to use it internally in your business, you have to figure out where the threats are externally to your business from that as well, basically, you know. So I think the key thing there is like then the use case and the ROI. So this is moving into the AI operating system concept. So people have to understand and have a vision of like, you know, and see examples. And that's what we do, basically. We show custom examples of specialist AI, which can actually deliver different elements. And this whole, this whole system, like you've actually got like 50 bets or 250 bets, basically, like, you know, cl you know clinics across the country or businesses across country. They've all got repeatable systems there. But if you could re-engineer some of those using AI to become AI-assisted, you've got like different insights, different policies. You have AI, for example, like monitoring the cost of all the blue rolls in the different places and different things. They can work in procurement to actually like, you know, automatically email different suppliers and get different deals. You can have like a significant advantage. And so you just understanding what, what your AI operating system concept can be and what the business use case and the impacts of those can be, that will help create the business case for the senior leadership team. And then, so you're, you've, you've got your MVPs, your proof of concepts, uh, and you're starting to see, you know, pilots even, starting to see the ROI, how it transforms operations, people's jobs. But at the same time, again, just like the policy and governance, you know, you can't happen, it's not consecutive, it happens at the same time. Yeah. You need to train people. So you might yeah. start at a senior level with like a, you know, an AI board being briefed, you have level up. To get both levels involved. Exactly, that's to get buy-in. But then you've got people who are actually trying to prompt and they've got no clue how these things work and what a prompt is. You can get garbage in, garbage out. Then you need training. So that's the other first step, we think. Most cases start moving, moving into becoming AI-assisted. It's a dynamic moving battle, basically. You have to like align and get the, the, the leadership team seeing the vision. But at the same time, you have to engage the working team, the operating team, to be able to see the opportunity and understand, because otherwise they will start thinking there's an information asymmetry and there's a threat to their job, or they won't understand why the senior leadership team are asking certain questions or want this to be done a certain way. So that's why we, that's why we have the training department that we provide. Or, or it's more basic than that. Like sometimes it's just disappointment <laughs> because you're using the technology. You think, well, the, the, what I'm getting back isn't isn't very good. 
that's because he doesn't know how to use it. It's male saxophone manage. Give someone a saxophone, you know, they can't play it. But if they know how to play it, you get beautiful music. So unless people are trained, they yes. can't use these tools effectively. Basically, it's like, imagine you know how to draw on paper and then you give someone an iPad with, a, with an Apple pencil. It's not the same. Some things are the same. Like you, you apply the, the stylus to, the, to the, the surface and you draw things, but you can't make things bigger and smaller on paper. You can't change the color on paper. You can't create smudge effects or different things on paper. You can't allow different dimensions in paper. So the iPad allows different dimensions to do when you're drawing on it. The same way people are trained in search. So they think, okay, I'll just type in how much is this or what is that? You can't use AI like search basically, right? It has some elements of that capability, but you're woefully under, under using and you will actually be mistaken in what you thought was supposed to be the outcome if you're using that that way. So you absolutely have to be trained how to use it and also how far the capabilities are and what can be done, basically. Yeah, let's move on to the next one. So the next one is, it's kind of what we do, so we would say this, is that quite often you're going to need external support because you haven't got the, the time, the skill set, the resources in-house. That might be a fractional chief AI officer. It might be a, you know, a business like Implement AI. We come in and essentially you outsource a lot of that kind of guidance and that work. So that's what we need. We act as a catalyst. Exactly what we do is catalyze. And then the big one, the thing we find the difference between our clients that really embrace this and we see huge change and some are a little bit more sort of slow off the mark is mindset. And that's why starting at the top, training, showing the results, measurable ROI, showing how it transforms business and jobs and roles so you can focus on meaningful stuff. As I mentioned before, embedded AIs, crunching data, you don't see them, kind of below the water, below the water like an iceberg. And you've got the ones that got humans in the loop at the top that interface of humans, people start to see the magic of this technology and it changes mindsets. And that's when you start to see a real change and it begins to accelerate in terms of adoption internally. And through that, I'm rattling through these now, we're going to make a white paper by this. You start to get inevitably stakeholder buying because they start to see the benefits, not just the features, the benefits. And that's when they can then start to get budgets. Everyone, exactly. And you start to get budget. And real programs implement AI in these different departments or divisions or people across the business. And it might just be Microsoft Copilot and Microsoft 365. We see a lot of people say, well, I've got 100 people. How many are using Copilot? Well, we've got two, but they don't really know how to prompt. So they're not really using it very well. But you could also go from level one to level 100 with that, right? So if you have the right customization, the right systems embedded into your Copilot thing, you can do with it. Again, like, you know, that was the kind of thing that we help with. But honestly, like, you need to just understand that, like, it's like a knife, okay? Or maybe it's the wrong example, but like a surgeon can use a knife and, and create like the most complex... Scalpel. Scalpel, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Same thing, isn't it, right? Or you can like, you know, barely butter a piece of toast, isn't it, right? So what I'm trying to say is like, it's about the skill of the operator. And the key thing here is that like, if you if you give, you have an infinitely powerful tool, a bit like the Iron Man suit that you said before, but if you don't know how to use it, you don't know the buttons, you don't know the different details, you're just going to think, oh, this doesn't work basically, isn't it? Right? So that- He's going to fly Iron Man suit to the side of a building. Um <laughs> It, or, or not even get off the ground. Yeah, exactly. So the idea here is just to augment your work first, augment yourselves, and that just changes the game. And then what you then have are the beginnings of, you know, building an AI-assisted organization. And you know, we have this pentagram of different departments where you go from no AI all the way to middle fully autonomous. That's a long way away. This is about augmenting people to do more meaningful work, add more value. And we always say that if you're not doing this, oh, like you mentioned it earlier, if you're not doing this, you're not going to be able to attract the best talent and they're going to expect it. They're leaving. They're already well, planning. Yeah, even worse, they're, they're leaving. They're, they're, they're already planning where to go. So the thing is, you don't know. Right, we've done 45 minutes today. That's long than we usually do. We've, we've got clients to go and uh, to work for. Um, AI of the week. So one of the 
Wait, I think you may have touched on it, but I think it's the same one. It was Picolabs. So this is the, it's a different one actually. Picolabs is lip sync. So you can create a video and, and you've seen this, the Hey Jen as well do this. And you can, you can write text that it perfectly, it can be a cartoon, it can be a video, it can be a, you know, a pencil line drawing, anything. And it creates lip sync in terms of, um, sort of enunciating that the text you've given it is amazing. And as we always say, that kind of technology, the ability to create avatars, the ability to have models that create more lifelike scripts as a human would really talk, they all compound and they come together to create, you know, experiences that are indistinguishable from humans. Yeah. Cool. So that's the end. Again, go and read our white papers, log into the resource center, sign up for AI Insider newsletter. We're going to be getting one out um, uh, soon in the next few days. And please, if you like this show, please rate it, follow us, uh, give us a uh, uh, writer review on Apple and go look at our new website. That's it for this week. Um, this is the AI City Organization podcast. Myself, Piers Linney, Dr. Alok Shukla. We'll see you next week. See you next week.